Good morning on this beautiful, beautiful uh, Sunday morning. We had a little talk with the Lord this morning. Said, "Lord, if you just do this kind of mornings in July, uh, we will all be great." My name is Previn Vong. I'm, I'm the pastor here during the interim period. It says this church is looking for a permanent pastor. It is so good to be with you again. Every Sunday, I, I get to uh, know you a little bit better. I'm praying for you it's throughout the week. And as uh, we meet, and if you would make it a, a habit just to say your name, uh, if I hear it enough, you know, like, like my old uncle said, if you spin on the rock long enough, it'll get wet eventually. <laughs> I hear it enough times, and, and it'll stick, right? It is so good uh, to be here. There's just something about... There's just something about Palm Sunday. It is like vibrating with anticipation. Holy Week is beginning. We know what is coming next Sunday. And we're just looking forward to this. And the church worldwide is celebrating this. And as, as we sang from the very first word we uttered this morning, Hosanna, I think the Lord was listening in and was pleased, right? You think he heard us this morning? I think he did. He looked straight to our hearts and heard our praise of him. What a great, great uh, day of anticipation. In fact, when you turn to Matthew chapter 21, I don't know that we have a story in the New Testament that in any kind of uh, way like this explains or even exhibits a scene where you have anticipation on display. There's just something about this that with dramatic effect kind of instills in us this sense of longing. Something is coming. The air is vibrating, if you will, with the presence of God is going to do something great and he's going to do it very soon. Chapter 21, just listen to it. Imagine this, you're in the streets of Jerusalem. Everybody is talking about this. Something is going on. They're breaking palm trees. I mean, branches off palm trees. You know, a couple of years ago, I preached in Florida, right? That's where we lived. And it was pretty common, right? So what we had, the whole thing began uh, this way. Everybody was handed a branch of a palm tree as it came into... And we were singing in every, these songs and everybody was doing this. That's the kind of thing. For some reason, palm branches are easier to find in South Florida than they are in Nacogdoches, Texas. I'm just saying. <laughs> but that's the atmosphere. So hear this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And once, you, once there, you will find a donkey tied with the colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal. 
of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey in the cold place, their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Can you hear the kind of the buzz that is going on among everyone that was there. This is anticipation at its best and at its strongest. This is just one of these things. If you envision this a metal coil and, and you kind of pressed it together and it's ready to kind of be released, that's the kind of tension that is that is in the air. Anticipation does something to us, does it not? When you're really, really looking forward to something. It just generates, uh, you know, almost an atmosphere in your soul that, that you can't shut down. It's, you wake up and, and you're joyful. You look around and it doesn't matter if things are gray or not good. It's just this something good is coming very soon. And I'm right ready for it. Now, something happens with this. When we say the word anticipation, what we're really saying, we're saying we're looking forward to something, longing for something so much that we feel it's already here participating in the present. In fact, when we start talking about and contemplating what that word anticipation is, it is simply that you are know, you know that something will come because the promise you have heard about this is faithful and truthful and you just can't wait to see. This is so strong that even Romans 8 is expressing this for the whole of creation, longing to see God reveal his glory. And it says like it's all of creation eagerly awaits or you may say strongly anticipates the revelation of the sons of God or for it to participate in the glory that has been promised the sons of God if you want to translate it that way. Anticipation. And I want you to think about this. There's just something here that is in some way Knowable for most of us, even on a practical level, the place we may recognize it the most is when you look in the eyes of, of a little child right before Christmas and you see the sparkle and you talk to them about what about tomorrow morning and you know something is going on in their head. Anticipation, they know something great is coming. It may be the same as you talk to someone who is a student and they finally ready for graduation, right? You know that sometimes you're finishing a four-year program in six years and you can't wait to be done and graduate. You're looking forward to this job and, and there's just an anticipation. Everything is going to be different from now on. A young couple the night or two nights before their wedding and it's just like, Whoa, what's going on? And before they have their first job, we can go on and you know the feeling. It's important 
for you to understand, I think, what's going on here, that you find in your gut this emotion as you listen to this here. The Jewish people have been looking forward to this for a very, very long time. Pro prophets had promised that God would do an extraordinary thing in his time. And that time seemed to be here just now. And in their wait, they had transferred their thinking from being an anticipation to God's inbreak, if you will, into their situation in a new way to an expectation that God is going to do it this way. He's going to come in. He's going to whoop the Romans and he's going to kick them out and things are going to be different on that political front just like that. And they transformed their anticipation and it became an expectation. See, that happens. It can happen pretty easily. Well, we move from looking for God's hand and, and hoping for his promise to be fulfilled soon rather than later, and we begin to have expectations that it's going to happen in a certain way. Usually that way relates to what I want. Usually that way we expect is related directly to what would benefit me or at least happen in such a way that I get my desires fulfilled. So instead of looking forward to what God will do according to his promise, we are somewhat expecting him to do certain things. That can be related very easily to practical situations as well. The Christmas gifts I was talking about earlier for the little child who had been told that you're going to have this great, great gift tomorrow. And in that little child's head, this is all immediately conjuring up. You know, remember what we had talked about. And he or she knows I will have this. And then when the time comes, what they get is great. But it's not that. Uh-huh. Yes? You follow. You can think about this as you just graduated and you got this first job and you envision what that would do. You can afford to get your own place. Everything is going to change. I'm adult now. This is what it's going to be. I'm going to get to work sometime when I want to in the morning and go home whenever I feel tired in the afternoon. Boom, suddenly reality hits. You may be there sometimes at six in the morning and stay till 10 at night. Your boss is not exactly what you expected. It's a good and well-paying job, but you're hearing me, right? Think about the marriage. Young couple ready to get married and, and I have counseled enough couples over the years, many, many, many in fact, and almost inevitably, this is what happens. You, they romanticize a marriage. You, is, you may be in that very boat, right? And you, the way you think about it is that I'm so looking forward to this. I'm so in love with this one who's going to be my spouse. And what that spouse will do is that he or she will add to my life. I know exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be what I have now, only better. They're going to do for me what I need 
And it's going to be just like that. And it becomes a matter of adding to what I have already rather than to thinking, what can God do with us, the two of us, who both will change and become one new, yes? And so they sit in the pastor's office or someone else's office and both are saying from different sides, well, he or she is not doing for me what I expected. Yes? Expectation. Instead of the anticipation of what can do, what God can do in a home like ours, it has now become an expectation of what I should receive in this situation. When anticipation is driven by expectation of a certain how or a certain when. It has a way of losing its joy. The same way, I think, we need to see that triumphal entry. If you read about this, they've been looking forward to this. God is going to send someone who can whoop the Romans and kick them out. I could have used stronger language, but I'm not. We're church, yes? <laughs> you know, Jesus fit the bill perfectly. Just imagine, we're going to elect as our king someone who can feed the poor when they're hungry. Just a few loaves, a couple of fish. Boom, everybody's fat. Someone who can heal all the sick when they're not doing well. Someone who has the power even when the waves are rising, he just said, calm down. And the nature would obey. Can you get, you know, any Roman power could come and he would just say, he fit the bill. But they came to discover that that's not what God had planned. And so this text from this first Palm Sunday can teach us some very extraordinarily important lessons on what anticipations are all about and how expectations can destroy the joy that we should have had and would have had if we have kept our focus clear. You see, our expectations to Jesus are often way too narrow, too small, too selfish, completely lost, bereft of the grand focus of God. And when that happens, and things doesn't come our way in the way and in the timing that we feel it should. Joy is ripped out. So this text in, this, in many ways is about turning expectations into anticipations. Getting it right, if you will. 
These Jews were on their way to Jerusalem on this first Palm Sunday, and they expected that Jesus would be just an ordinary king. That was their expectation. They thought he would be a mighty king, a giant ruler, if you will, just like David had been about a thousand years earlier. But that's not why Jesus came. And just envision this. That will help you, I think, understand this text. If you think about it strongly enough, you will know that, that what happened there was it just looked like that was all that mattered. If he would just do this, everything else would fall into place. What, what was destroying everything was just the political environment they were in. It was just that Roman occupation stuff that was a mess. Now think about your own expectations to Jesus. Are you expecting, even when you pray for his extraordinary work in your life, are you expecting him to do specific things? Things that fit your wish list. Things that may make you extraordinarily happy just because you get that little thing. And your vision is narrow enough to think that that's really all that matters. Have you limited your vision for what Jesus can do, even in your life, even for this church, to what he has done earlier? Most of us have great, great experiences from back in time, yes? Historical experiences. Like they were comparing Jesus to King David. Yeah, oh, we could be like that. And expectations grow. What about you? Is your anticipation really an expectation to relive grand moments in your life? You see, a normal king or an ordinary king has an ordinary kingdom, but that's not what Jesus came to be because an ordinary king in an ordinary kingdom will only be king for those who are living inside of his borders. See, a normal kingdom has borders everywhere, most predominantly, of course, borders of, that encapsulates, if you will, a certain landmass. Those who live inside of that have this king. Those who live outside of that have other kings and other presidents, if you will. And so, Jesus said, I'm not going to be an ordinary king. I have no interest in just being king for those who live in Israel, even in ancient Israel. You want to be king for all people at all times, in all places, no matter where. Even people who come and who worship God in Nacogdoches, Texas in 2016. Imagine that. A regular king is only king for 
those who belong to him in a certain way. Jesus wanted to be king to all people. Not just in certain neighborhoods, but in all neighborhoods. Not just a certain kind of social group, but to all social groups. Not just in a certain way to people who like it this way, but to all people of all ways and in every place and in every group. Jesus wanted to be king where his power was not limited to place or space in any kind of way, not even to time. He wanted to be king. He had created the whole world and the world belonged to him and he came to bring that fallen world back to himself. Yes? No small teeny expectations about what he can do just for me so that I will remain fulfilled in my expectations. You know, a, a normal king, an ordinary king can have impact on the external circumstances of people. He can help us with social and economical kind of things. But Jesus had no desire just to be king of the externals. Jesus desired to help people with everything that is within us just as well. Have you ever thought about how often we treat the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the creator of all that is, as our genie rather than our Lord. We don't often give him much time. But boy, if something happens, we will pray for him to give it to us. Lord, I, I need, I'm in this struggle. I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for me. I need you to do it. Whether it's health or wealth or anything in between or outside of that. Yes? Just like a little genie. Now we don't mean to do that, but if you think about it sometimes, he who throws the planets and keep them in their orbit. And we come to him as he was to serve us and fill our little list of expectations. See, Jesus is not just interested in our external circumstance. He wants to transform our very being. When there's something that you are afraid of, when there's something that excites you, something that angers you, something that isolates you, something that makes you fearful, whatever it might be, he wants to be king for all of you. Not just the externals. Also, the internals. I want to transform your very being. You see, the point is that his coming and the anticipation for that will create a longing that so supersedes 
any expectations that we may have, even our largest and grandest and greatest expectations are too small for what Jesus desired to give. Even when you have great thoughts about Jesus, they're too small. The Israelites thought if he would just become king of Jerusalem, the goal had been reached, we'll have a new David, this is what it's going to be. Some of you may see, sit here today and think, if he would just help me, just right now with this one thing that is really, really eating me up. I met Christians to whom God had done extraordinary things, but it was not expect, exactly what they expected. He showed up differently from what they thought. And they got disappointed. But can I say it again? Jesus has no desire to be limited by our small wishes. He has no desire to be king of our pet peeves, if you will. And please let me say as a parenthesis here that the opposite of small expectations are not large physical. You all hear this nonsense sometimes, right? That, you know, we shouldn't ask God for a small car. Let's ask for, after all, we, you know, serve a rich king, right? That's not the point. The point is that he wants us to see God in a greater light, to see who he really is, to understand what he is about in the greatest thing, that he is the king without limits and without borders in any way. So friend, can I say it as straight up as I know how to say it? Just stop living with expectations and begin living with anticipation. I hope you noticed how this very text began. He's the king of all history. All of history is in, in, is in his control. Even little things that they go to pick up a donkey and someone's going to ask him, what in the world, you can't just steal my donkey. He said, just tell them the Lord needs it. And they will know. A little bit later in the text, further down, you will see Pharisees scheming to get rid of Jesus. But once you realize that all of history is in God's control, fear disappears. Nothing they could do that would raise the fear level. Even 500-year-old prophecy like here in verse 5, say to the daughters of Zion, see your king is coming gently and riding on a donkey, pointed to what would happen. God is not ever taken by surprise. If sometimes you feel disappointed, God should have done something differently in a different way. Does he not know my little thing? This here really bothers me. Look at anticipation. 
It does something to your soul. It generates a longing that is just filled with joy. That's why also we cannot ever lose the longing for his second coming. These first were looking for his first coming here. We look forward. He will come again and draw all men unto himself. It's an amazing kind of thing. Holy Week shows us how things are put together. It is during this Holy Week that we realize that, that the cross comes before glory. If you want to experience the power of Jesus as a resurrection, if, if you will, in your own life, you need to discover that there's a cross to be carried. And that comes before the resurrection. See, these people, they just wanted political transformation. But they didn't understand that there will never be political transformation among people until there is a spiritual transformation within people. There will never be political transformation among people until there is a genuine spiritual transformation within people. That's how it works. And that's why Jesus didn't come just to be a normal king, but he came to be the true king in all places, in all people, in all situations. Think about it this way. Who is really the strongest? The executioners and the soldiers who captured Jesus in Gethsemane, or the Jesus that boldly stepped forward and said, it is me, take me, and let the others go. Who do you think is the strongest? Pilate, who against his own conscience, violated his own ideas to satisfy the Jewish leadership and handed Jesus over to crucifixion. Or the one who said, I have the power to give my life and to take it back. Who do you think is the strongest? The high council of the Jewish leadership sitting in Jerusalem looking at the next point on their agenda? Or the one who's hanging on the cross fighting to destroy the powers of darkness and evil and make it possible for you to be saved. Let me personalize this because it's easier to hear Bible story than to apply it to our own lives. Who is the strongest in your life? The one who would just give you some of the things you might have listed on your wish list of desires. Or the one who by his power 
can transform your very being. The question is, what do you anticipate? You know, from anticipation flows a joy that can't be stopped. It's just there, as I said, there's an atmosphere in the soul. Something very real. I think when you look at the text and you realize the kind of joy that is there that make everybody sing Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There is a joy that is just overflowing. The question is, is it possible to live like that? And the answer is, yes, it is. The next question is, is it possible to quench that? Yes, it is. And it happens when you transform what should be an anticipation for God's greatness and turn it into a, a satisfaction, expectation, if you will, of your, all, of your own small desire. Can we agree we want to live in anticipation? Can we agree that we want to stand on the first day, on the next day, every day, in the choir of those who say, Hosanna, David's son, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yes? That, my friends, will transform and change not only your life, not only your workplace, not only your neighborhood, not only your friends. It will transform this church. It will transform this society. All of Nacogdoches, all of East Texas, everything will be wrapped up in this. Because God looks down and he sees and he senses an atmosphere of the soul where there's a joy unquenchable. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. If you don't, that's how you spend your afternoon, friends. Some of you may need to go to see that game. Some of you may need to be on your faces. Jesus gave his last appeal. This is the last chance, really, they got to see him as king. After this event, they would be immersed in their own hatred for not having their expectations fulfilled. And they didn't come to receive him as their king of kings and lord of lords. So moms and dads, men, women, boys, girls, this is real, friends. This is not some kind of special place that is not touching reality. This is about your home. This is about your friends. It's about your neighborhood. It's about the city. It's about this church. Move toward God. Ask him to create that atmosphere. Anticipation in your soul. Let's stand, friends.
I'll say a word of prayer and then we'll sing a song of invitation and the floor will be open here. Some of you need to grab a friend and come down and kneel. Some of you may want to come alone. Some of you may want to say, hey, I, I just want to be part of this fellowship where I can get encouragement every week. Others may want to say, could you please tell me more about Jesus? Father, thank you for speaking to us this morning, for letting our hearts be moved. And Father, I ask, please wipe away the desire to have you be king of our pet peeves and generate in us hearts filled, even reverberating with anticipation for your greatness. Amen.